When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Big Book of British Smiles. What is that? Did you ever see The Simpsons when no. Lisa had to get braces? And no. he's like, let me show you the book of, or the big book of British Smiles. And it's just British teeth. <laughs> that sounds horrifying. It was. <laughs> also, no, I, I'm i not a Simpsons fan. I mean, I'm not a current Simpsons fan. Simpsons fan? Simpsons fan. But I was back in the day when I was a child. <laughs> anyway. Yes. So the big book of British Smiles is terrifying. And I think Justin Hawkins, at oh, least used oh, no. to, when he first came out, totally belonged there. Oh, yeah. I mean, the darkness was full of British smiles. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, those those teeth were like category one British teeth. Oh, so bad. It was like, wow, you guys didn't have dental in the 70s, did you? But also, like, not a single person is born with okay teeth how does that happen yeah i yeah i have questions what's wrong with your teeth over there what is this weird genetic thing where like not a single tooth is straight yeah it's kind of weird i never thought of it that way actually like why aren't your teeth just naturally straight and if your teeth are that bad why don't you have dental why yeah why don't you have dental yeah guys we have so many questions about the well, UK. And they don't have fluoride in their water either. Uh-huh. Because I'll tell you right now, when I went to Ireland, it was the first time I got a cavity. Because I came home and I spent like months without fluoride water. I'm blaming on Ireland because no. I came home, had my first cavity. See, the government doing so much for us, putting the <laughs> fluoride our, in their water. Look at our government doing so much putting chemicals in the water for us. Thanks. Thanks, government. At least you're looking out for us in one aspect, aren't you? Except not in Flint. Yeah. No, not Flint at all. Flint would beg to differ. Welcome <laughs> to Rock Candy! <laughs> Your weekly podcast bringing you sweet treats from the world of music. And this week we got a fun special sweet treat. After the fucking heaviest fuck Nirvana Series. episodes. Yeah. We needed something a little fun. We needed a kind of lighten it up so this week we decided hey let's lighten the mood let's bring a little fun and pep back into our step with a really really fun band a really fun band and i am maggie and i am ashley and this week we're talking about the darkness i'm super excited about this and you should all be super excited about this it is really fun and i'm gonna say zero days without and in- without a heroin incident so this will be day one this will be day one of no heroin no incident. heroin yeah no um, heroin. Spoilers up front. No heroin today. Nice. Yeah. At least none that's been admitted to. Okay. I mean, at this point, I feel like you can assume most artists have dabbled in heroin, right? 
don't think so. Oh, I just I think assumed. It, I mean, depends on what what time period they've come out. Mm, that's true. This is the 2000s and heroin's not really the drug anymore. Yeah, but there still wasn't the the opioid oboioid, oboioid. the oboioid crisis. No. So, yeah, the oboioid crisis was really in the 90s and then popped up back again in the 10s. Yeah. 2010s. So maybe it was like secret heroin gatherings. <laughs> oh my god, secret heroin parties. That is not this a party is, I ever want to be invited to. This is to. like the worst meetups.com <laughs> heroin meetup that has ever existed. Also, that's a surefire way to get arrested. What oh, are yeah. you doing? Yeah, you're stupid if you try to have a heroin meetup on meetups.com. <laughs> hey guys, let's all go to the Starbucks in East Greenbush. Oh my God. <laughs> but, I, but by the Starbucks, I do mean the alley behind the Starbucks in East Greenbush. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Let's uh, let's do that. Let's go on meetups.com, see if anybody's doing that. Oh, and then They're make a gonna... fake one to, and just watch from across the street how many people try Show to go to Starbucks meetup. for the heroin meetup. Yo, it's 2020. People got to be smart about how they're going to do their heroin meetups now. How come the police haven't thought of this? Have guys, they? I don't know. If you're a police officer, can you tell us if you guys have thought of this? Do you guys... Do fake meetups on meetups.com. I'd like to throw it out there that I feel like I sh- that we shout out a lot of career people and nobody ever writes back at us to like tell us. Because cops don't listen to our podcast. Well, I feel like we've called out other people like, hey, if you know anything about this, tell us. We that's, mean it. Tell that's, us. That's because nobody listens to our podcast. Oh, God. <laughs> that's Well. And that's why we drink. And that's why we drink. And speaking of why we drink, tonight we're having a special brew for the episode. Oh, yes, indeed. It is called Instruments of Darkness. It is an imperial coffee milk stout. I almost said chocolate. It's coffee. From Rohrbach Brewing Company. I cannot say their name correctly. Is it Rohrbach? It's it's Rohr... (laughs) Yes, that's what it is. Well, I say Rohrbach. Now See, Rohrbach Brewing Company. <laughs> Rohrbach Brewing Company. Oh my goodness! Yes, that's what it is. Um, did you read the description? No, it's delightful. Brewed with fresh Brazil roast beans from Fuego Coffee Roasters. Fuego. It means fire. They're all on fire while they're brewing your coffee. This yeah. this beer is the reason why the Amazon is on fire. So thanks, it contains guys. caffeine. Oh, how yeah. much? It just says it contains caffeine. Okay. Maybe it contains so little they don't have to tell us, but it is a 10 percenter, so be careful. I didn't eat dinner. (laughs) Well, there's that's your first mistake. That is my first mistake. Um, And not my last. But yeah, that's one of those beers that I bought not realizing that um, we could use it for an episode. Oh. And then you were like, oh, we can use that for a darkness episode. I was like, well, fuck. Oh, I did not realize you didn't know. No. Didn't realize it at all. You definitely played that off like, yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, oh, the darkness. I did that on purpose. And I was like, we need an upper after the Nirvana episodes. I did not realize how much of a downer Nirvana would be. Oh, massive fucking downer. You should know by now Ooh. that everything that I love and hold close to my heart is an absolute fucking downer. <laughs> Every single bit of it. Andrew WK. Not a downer. Not a downer. There you go. 
He's we the, found it. He's the soft, shining light. He's your rainbow in the dark. <laughs> he is. He is. He's your Dio. He is my Dio, my rainbow in the dark. Yeah. I like that. I guess we might ever get started on these notes yes, that yes. I have meticulously cultivated for this episode. I'm very excited. I want to learn everything. All right, then, kids. Sit back and get your butts ready for the story of The Darkness. Hold on to your butts. Many see this band as a one-hit wonder. A good handful of folks think these guys are just a joke band. And some people find their goofy satires to be obnoxious. No! Well, I... Stop it! Yeah, Yeah, you're all wrong. (laughs) Get out! Get out! Get the fuck out of (laughs) here! I think those are all unfair biases towards a band as hardworking and talented as The Darkness. And they do not get their dues for it. They don't. And today we're going to make you... Fucking give them their dues. Yes. At best, you may know them from I Believe in a Thing Called Love. I believe in a thing called love. Just as I love my heart. That's perfect. Yeah. But we now, do karaoke. I mean, we do. But we do. We will do your karaoke parties. <laughs> you need people to come in and hype up your karaoke party. We can do it. Call us. We'll do it. Well, now it's time for you to realize that they are so much more than that one song. Especially in their home of the UK, where they have had hit after hit. Yep. They are big there. Honestly, one of the few beacons of delightfully good music from the aughts. They formed around the year 2000 and have been through a fair share of successes, hardships, lineup changes, and beyond. Yep. So, to write them off and not take them seriously kind of makes you look a little silly in the end, methinks. It does. I will say this up front. Researching this band was fucking difficult. Which is crazy to me. It, it They just seem like the kind of people that would be really open mm-hmm. about their story. And Well, here's the thing. Personal info on the darkness is hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to Justin. Because you can never quite tell when he's telling you facts or just being cheeky. Which is kind of why I love him. Right? <laughs> I imagine the truth is somewhere in between. Yeah. But my research has come from a ridiculous amount of looking up interviews, looking for whatever I can find. I did find out that the bassist does have a biography that he wrote, but that's also half cheeky too. Yeah. So, and that's kind of the reason that's their why charm. And that's kind of the reason why I love and hate British humor because it is very much my kind of humor, but yes. in print you really have to take everything kind of with a grain of salt and be able to parse out what is actual truth and what is just them being fucking assholes. That's why I have a hard time reading Terry Pratchett. Yeah. He is like half the time like, wait, was that a joke? Was that serious? I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, I have a hard time reading British humor. But let's continue with the darkness. So the story of the darkness begins with two brothers, Justin and Dan Hawkins. Woo! It's just two brothers. I like them. Justin was born March 17th, 1975, and the following year would see the birth of Dan on December 12th, 1976. Having a brother that close in age to you made it easy to share similar interests. Yeah. And music was no exception. Mm -hmm. According to Justin, when he was a child, he wanted to be either a helicopter pilot, (laughs) a vet, or a doctor. That's, those are lofty goals, my friend. Yeah, those are, well, not the vet. No, you still have to go through. I I wanted to be a vet too when I was a kid, but that was like, oh, I have to be in school for like 
an extra amount of time, nah, I'm good. Yeah, and also bodies are gross, even animal bodies. Yeah. Not in here, not here for that. But all of this changed once he heard Communication Breakdown by Led Zeppelin. Oh. Then music became his one true love. Now, I should have loved the darkness from the get-go. You should have. Hold on. That's not to say I didn't really love I Believe in a Thing Called Love. Mm-hmm. I did. Here for it the minute it popped on. But besides being influenced by the Zep, Justin is heavily influenced by Queen. He wanted to play guitar like Brian May and have the presence of Freddie Mercury, which this is all real obvious when you listen to them and watch them. It's very obvious when you at least watch the I Believe in a Thing Called Love video where he's wearing spandex bodysuits yeah. a la Freddie, Freddie Mercury. Mercury. Yeah. Yeah. And even the guitar solos are just very just operatic the same way Brian May's yeah. are. Very Brian Mayan? Mayesque. Mayesque. Brian Mayesque. Ooh, bougie. Pinky's up. Dan clearly picked up these cues from his older brother and began to work on his own music skills as a kid. He seemed to want to check everything off his list, though. He started with drums, then he moved to bass, and ultimately mastered the guitar, which seems to be his instrument of choice. Mm-hmm. But kid's multi-talented. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, he's a fucking one-man band. He really is. All that hard work paid off. And he ended up having a brief career as a session musician. Oh. He even got to work with Natalie Imbruglia. Oh. I don't know if he worked with her on Torn. I just know he worked with her. Well, at least he's not all out of faith. Get out. This is just how he feels. Is he cold and he's ashamed lying naked on the floor? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe he's just (laughs) torn. Oh, my God. Get out. Nothing's fine, Maggie. Oh, my God. (laughs) But even working with established artists wasn't enough for Dan. He knew he could become something bigger. He had formed bands here and there, one called Vital Signs, and then another was a a synth-pop band called Empire. That's adorable. Right? But nothing really seemed to be hitting exactly where it should creatively. The roots of the darkness began to plant themselves back in 1999, when Justin performed a high-energy version of Bohemian Rhapsody at a karaoke night. Oh. Again, we are available for karaoke parties. Available for all your karaoke needs. (laughs) I guess so is Justin. Fucking power trio. Oh my god. Yes, definitely. Justin joined Dan's band, initially on keyboard, but quickly it made more sense to everyone that he take over lead vocals and guitar. Yup. The brothers decided a change of direction was in order, but who else was going to join them on this journey of discovery? Who? Who has the talent and the <laughs> and the charisma enough? <laughs> Maybe the nerve and the uniqueness? And all the talent. All of it. Well, first we have bassist Frankie Poulan, born April 15th, 1967 in Scotland. And yo, he's from Scotland. When they interview him, sometimes I'm like... But what are you saying? What What are you saying? (laughs) Many of his influences lie in post-punk bands like The Smiths and Echo and the Bunnymen. Uh, This, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah. He didn't really get into learning bass until the age of 19, but once he did, took pretty quickly to it. Mm -hmm. And the original drummer for The Darkness was Ed Graham, born February 20th, 1977 in Lowestoft, England. He attended the same high school with the brothers Hawkins, 
befriending them and making music with them. Hmm. He wasn't a super athletic type, forfeiting time for sports for practicing drums in the music room instead. By this time, Justin had gone to school for music technology and used that experience to cultivate a place for himself in the advertising world. He wrote ad jingles. (laughs) Oh, that's adorable. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I bet you he writes a mean jingle. Oh, boy. He wrote jingles for companies like Mars Bars, HSBC, and Ikea. You can find the Ikea one. All you have to do is YouTube a piece of furniture called the Schlomp. What? (laughs) S-C-H-L-O-M-P. This all checks. Schlomp. Schlomp. And it's very darkness. Like, the ad is ridiculous. I was really hoping that he had invented those fucking rats or the mice for the, um, oh, is it Ikea or Kia? Kia cars? Or oh, Kia cars with hamsters. The hamsters. No. Those are too glib. Yeah, they're not his style. No, they're not his style. They're too polished. Yeah. <laughs> he did something a lot. They're too cool. Nah, man. You gotta look up the schlomp. It's... It's pretty much very, exactly what you think it is. I am very afraid of what would show up on Google if I Googled Schlomp. Actually, like, if you look up Ikea Schlomp commercial, it's the first thing. Also, what if you put Schlomp into the search bar on Pornhub? What would you get? <laughs> All right. Well, I think we have two tasks now. One I'm really looking forward to. One I'm a little scared yeah. of. You're going to have to pick which one is which. I think somebody who's listening should put Schlomp into the Pornhub search bar and just take screenshots. I just want screenshots. I want to know. I just I, I don't know. want that on my uh, browsing history. history. I'll go Google incognito. <laughs> I mean, how else are we going to go to Pornhub? You always do incognito yeah. mode for Pornhub. Yeah. Come on. Amateurs. <laughs> So, sensibly, Justin took his jingle earnings to help fund a debut album. He brought his jingles to the studio. Oh, he brought his jingles to the studio. And his jingles. (laughs) And now the darkness was ready to put in the work to make songs to grab the attention of industry types and get themselves that shiny, coveted record deal. Justin had a manager for his jingle biz named... (laughs) Yeah, Jingle Biz. Jingle Biz. (laughs) I didn't realize that it sounded as ridiculous until I said it out loud. I was like, Jingle Biz. Jingle Biz. I got a Jingle Biz. Oh my God, that just sounds. It sounds fantastic. It sounds like something you'd find on Pornhub. Okay, somebody else needs to put Jingle Biz into into the Pornhub search bar. I really want to know how many people are doing these things, by the way. I hope everybody is. I, I do too. Anyway, her name was Sue Whitehouse. Who was also, for better or worse, his girlfriend? Um, why is there a qualifier before that? What do you mean? Like, for better or worse? Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know if it's smart to date your manager, oh, is yeah. what I'm saying. Okay. Like, I okay. don't know if, like, your girlfriend and your manager should be the same person. I mean, it's again, worse for though, some people, but also, no. Yeah. I mean, again, though, I don't... I'm going to tell you right up front, I don't really know how exactly... I can tell you... It, you know, I will tell you how everything ends up, but I can't tell you the details of their relationship because, again, right. Justin is super secretive. Yeah. So, there's that. But also, don't shit where you eat. 
don't shit where you eat. Yeah. You know what? Just, yeah, don't yeah, do that. Yeah, don't do it. The band decided to take her on to handle their affairs as well. As it helped that she already had industry connections to try to start to make a buzz in the industry about their music. I mean, that helps too. It does. The only problem? No one cared about the darkness. Hmm. At best, they had two labels slightly interested in signing them. Other than that, people either assumed they were not a real band or were just uninterested in what they were selling. Lame. Right? But this didn't stop the darkness from forging a path all their own. Their live shows became a thing of legend, wearing tight leotards, doing leaps and jumps around the stage, and generating high, insane energy for days. These were just a few of the things you could expect from one of their concerts. No matter how big, no matter how small, you were going to get a big show. I feel like, still, to this day, you can probably expect that. Yep. This helped them garner a fanatical fan base, just on word of mouth alone. So they hustled for a couple years on the local pub circuit to gain more followers and to prove to the industry that they were for real. And it was another rare case of hard work actually paying off. Huh. Finally, they were getting more offers from label contracts. Nick Raphael, an A&R for Sony Music UK at the time, was trying his best to get the darkness on their label. But, ultimately, the boys went with Atlantic Records. Hmm. And now it's 2003. Picture it. Oh, I'm picturing it. UK. Mm -hmm. 2003. (laughs) And it's time to release the album Permission to Land. Oh, yeah. The album came out with the single Get Your Hands Off My Woman, which peaked at 43 in the charts. But they still weren't gaining attention too far beyond their own circles. Which is crazy because not only does that song have the word motherfucker. It also has cunt. It also has cunt. Granted, cunt isn't such a bad word in the UK. It's not. But. It could never be played in the US. I believe they released it as a single in the US. Oh, I don't think think they did. Or maybe they did and it just wasn't radio play single. Maybe. They didn't play it on the radio. They definitely did not. Um. But yeah, they weren't even, the U.S. didn't even know they existed at this point. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's where their story hits some Queen-esque similarities again. Ooh. Thanks to a woman named Joe Wiley, a DJ at Radio 1 in Britain who was enamored with this band's sound. She played their songs on the station when others just shrugged it off. And this helped to give the band the push they needed. Well, that's nice. So people started saying, who's this band? They're great. I want to hear more of their music. Yeah. So there you go. Be friends with the radio DJ. (laughs) Then came their next single. And if you think you know what it is, you don't. It's the song (laughs) Growing On Me. Yes, Growing On Me is so good, though. It's really cute. A cute little love song about, quote, a sweet lady woman that you will never fully fathom or understand, (laughs) but you love her so much, after a while, it doesn't matter. It is not about STDs like a lot of people assumed it yeah, was. Yeah, they did. But I also got the impression that it was about somebody who, like, won't leave you the fuck alone and is really obsessed with you. And you're like, nah. But then eventually you're like, well, I'm kind of desperate, so I guess. Maybe it can play both ways. Yeah. I can see both ways. But it's not about chlamydia. So, or lice, actually. I believe people were saying it's about pubic lice. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yes, this single did chart up better in the UK than their last. It peaked at number 11. But it still paled in comparison 
to their ultimate rock song that came out next. Yep. I Believe in a Thing Called Love. Yep. Now, they had released this song in 2002 before they were signed to a label, so only a certain amount of copies were made, which made it ineligible to be able to make it onto any charts. So when they released it on their debut LP, it was a total surprise to the rest of the world still because nobody had really heard it. It never even charted. Exactly. It was. I feel so weird when I say charted. Charted because it sounds like sharded. It sounds like sharded. It sounds like you're saying sharded. I'm gonna say sharded. From they didn't even chart. They didn't even chart on the charts. Nobody even knew. Nobody even knew about the sharding on the charts. Yeah, that was a lot of shart. Then it went to the top of the charts. (laughs) Top of the charts. Making it to the top of the show. Oh my God. We're 12 year old boys. Yeah, that's fine. Welcome to Rock Candy. We're 12 year old <laughs> boys. You may think you're listening to adult women. You're not. No. We talk about poop. The joke's on you, motherfuckers. <laughs> of course, this became an immediate hit in the UK. But in order to get the attention of us Americans across the pond, we were going to need something to catch our eyes. Like a music video? Because while Justin's amazing falsetto range and the band's slamming guitar solos were big in England, not so much at the time for Americans. Because I was thinking about this too. If you remember, some kind of monster, they took out all of the guitar solos. Guitar solos were not a thing in the early aughts. It was like... Or throughout any of the aughts, I think. It was still pretty into uh, new metal, right? Yeah. Oh, we were still unfortunately yeah. balls deep, at least pubes deep. Yeah. Into the new metal. Yep. They were tickling tickling our ball pubes for sure still. Slipknot was still uh screaming at everybody's ball sacks. I do believe Slipknot is still screaming at some ball sacks. They are. Along Good for with you, Slipknot. Them, them and Corn. They, they are w- still screaming at ball sacks. They went on a tour together. I'm proud of them. It's the ball scra- ball ball sack screaming tour. Ball scream tour twenty twenty. Scream Screaming balls? Hmm. I'll think of a better like, way to put that. Ball like scream. Ball scream. Ball sack scream. Sack scream. Ooh, the sack scream tour. Sack scream tour. Sack scream ball. Oh, oh, oh. you gotta fancy. dress up. You gotta dress up for this if you're gonna get your sack screamed into you by put, Jonathan Davis. You gotta put on your best Jinkos. Oh. And get your fancy wallet chains out. You better clean your chain, to be honest. Clean it. Don't, like, have that scuffed up chain at that concert. Also, a decent wallet with a decent fold. Yeah, don't don't wear your worn out wallet. Buy yourself a new one. And get your... Those flames are real faded on your wallet. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. And get that really nice trench coat out of the closet Ooh, your nice trench coat your nice trench coat this was exactly what my prom date wore for prom oh my god <laughs> d fucking lightful yeah yeah wow we went on a tangent i apologize <laughs> oh because i was talking about how guitar solos weren't a thing oh yeah and then we got talking about new metal new metal okay for we way don't need too to long do it. wow <laughs> That was awful. See what the aughts do to us? The yeah. darkness is the one shining, one of the few shining lights yeah, of the aughts. It really is. So here's this band. They're coming in, singing great, having great guitar solos. America's not having it right now because we're just like loving our garbage music at this yeah. point. So enter MTV, the channel that used to be responsible for exposing us to music that you needed to see to hear. 
and now is responsible for killing all of our brain cells and putting out content that is just pointless, useless, and uh, doesn't help anybody. Look, we all have our Jersey Shore phase. It doesn't mean we're proud of it. I had my catfish phase. I still watch catfish. So. You can't, like, yeah, but you're right. It's garbage. It's garbage. It garbage it melts your brain. Mm-hmm. Stop doing it. They got their hands on the ultra-ridiculous music video for the song and tossed it in airplay for the masses to eat it right up. Boy fucking did they. Did, if you haven't seen this video, you can pause for a hot second and go watch it. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. But also, my entire, um, I'd say, sophomore year of college... The in all of my visuals, all of my memories have this video playing in the background because Chaps. if I wasn't okay, every time I went to the dining hall, which was at least three times a day because you ate three meals because I ate three meals a day. There you go. This video was on the fucking TV like five times before I left the dining hall. Oh, you had a cooler school than I did. I didn't have a TV in my dining hall. And then, oh, we had a bunch of them and they would just play MTVU. Nope. And then I'd go back to my dorm room and have MTVU on. And the fucking video would play 15 times before I went to class. And then I would go somewhere while I'm walking on my way to class to a cafe or something that had a TV on it. This fucking video is playing. Every single memory I have of my sophomore and probably my junior year has I Believe in a Thing Called Love playing in the background. That was your college soundtrack. It really was. Man, New Paltz has a lot of TVs. Yeah, only really in the dining room. That's fair. That's where they belongs. Well, in the States, we weren't going to understand that this song is fun until we saw the band performing on a spaceship while fighting a giant octopus monster, (laughs) all while wearing tight spandex and glitter. Yes. Yes, it's just about one of the most ridiculous videos you could ever watch. And it's fantastic. And even though this was the beginning of the digital special effects age... They didn't actually use any CGI to create this video. It was all motherfucking puppets, wasn't it? All practical effects. Yes. Everything. They hired director Alex Smith, who initially worked with them to create a low-budget video for this song, and it just saw the boys running around a grocery store wreaking havoc. It was all fun, complete with Justin singing into a sausage. (laughs) It's all sausage to me. It's all sausage to me. He was definitely not playing the insulted sausage. He wasn't. He was just playing the sausage, if you know what I'm oh, saying. Yeah. But they were later given a larger budget and decided to really go big with the second attempt. Though they did keep the Justin singing into the same exact sausage. <laughs> they said after a couple months, got kind of ripe. I can imagine. But do you know that part where he's singing into a sausage in the video? No, I don't. Yeah, watch it real close. I remember... I was recently watching it while researching this, and I was like, is that a sausage? When I found this, I'm like, that's a sausage. Huh. I haven't seen it in a very long time, so. I'll, I'll, I'll point out, too, yeah. like, it's the same sausage in the original video. <laughs> a big help on the creature creation was Jim and John Friedlander. Jim is well known for his work with the Doctor Who franchise, where he made props and puppets for the show, like the, da- the Daleks? The Daleks? The Daleks. Daleks. I don't watch Doctor Who, I'm sorry. Neither do I, but I do watch the Great British Baking Show where multiple people have tried to make a Dalek from, like, cookies. Excuse me, biscuits. That sounds delicious. I'll eat it. (laughs) He also worked on things like the the robot dog called Canine. 
He did a lot of work for that show. I believe that is pronounced robot. Oh, I'm sorry. The robot dog canine. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Sorry. They had some real legitimacy going into this. They wanted their camp to be taken seriously. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. The song did amazing and shot the darkness into the mainstream. However, it never quite hit number one, losing out to Black Eyed Peas' Where's the Love? Oh my fucking God. People killing, people dying. This was, this was the era of the Black Eyed Peas. Oh, Pea. Black Eyed Peas owned the fucking radio for like a good, what, four years? You know what? That was a dark time. We don't. That was the dark ages. In the history books, we <laughs> know it's the dark ages. Those were the dark times. Woof. We don't talk about the dark times. Coming in second would be a thing they got used to. As that year, they also released their holiday jam, Christmas Time, <gasps> Don't Let the Bells End. I fucking love that song. That is pretty much that and uh, Christmas Wrapping by the Waitresses are like the two Christmas songs I can jam actually to. actively jam to. That's fair. They're both pretty solid hits. Yeah. Well, it did not hit the UK number one Christmas song slot that we've discussed in past episodes <laughs> that that's a thing in England. You got to get that coveted UK number one Christmas song. Yeah, they all do Christmas songs, don't they? They all do Christmas songs and they're trying to reach number one. They all do, the TV shows do Christmas specials too. Yep. All of them. Oh yeah, no, every, like, if, yeah. Downton Abbey mm-hmm. would like crawl out of their hibernation holes and do a, a Christmas, Christmas episode. episode. Sherlock did the same thing. They fucking love Christmas over there. It's Stop crazy. It. I mean, I guess. I don't know. If you're from England and you think differently because you know differently, please let us know. I mean, granted, we do go fucking overboard for Christmas here, but I feel like it's in a different way. Like a grosser way? In a fucking disgusting capitalist kind of way. Yeah, we do that. We don't celebrate it so much as we want to fucking stab people over getting the perfect toys and shit. Gross. Well... As as great as this song is, Uh it did not hit the number one slot. It lost out to that goddamn cover of Mad World by Gary Jules. This is a travesty. It, like, that fuck, I hate that song. I'm gonna set shit on fire. Well, I guess this is a good place to take a break then so Ashley can go set things on fire. I need to go set fires. I'll be right back. All right, we'll be right back, guys. Go get a beer. And we back. Hello. Hey. Welcome back to the story of the darkness. So they did it. They yeah. totally pulled it off. Cool. The darkness is a huge success, going from their small yet fanatical fan base in England to getting radio play all over the world and touring with big names like Metallica on the Summer Sanitarium Tour huh. and headlining the Carling Festival in 2004. Wow. So they're a big deal now. Yeah, they were a big deal. Kind of a big deal now. They won tons of awards in the UK, like Best Rock Album for the Kerrang! Or I'm sorry, Kerrang! Awards. Yeah, as, there's an exclamation point on I'm there. sorry. It's Kerrang! As well as the Brit Awards. Permission to Land is still held high in regards today. It is so good. It is Quite good. Listen to it. It's fucking perfect. It's a really good party rock album. It super is. 
landing still on many greatest albums lists from various publications even today. As it should. BuzzFeed, 100 greatest party rock CDs, <laughs> number 10 will surprise you. We write listicles. <laughs> I just want to write a listicle about testicles. Testicle listicle. Number 10, testicles. <laughs> number 9, testicles. testicles. Number 8's going to surprise you. Ball sack. Yup. We can totally write for BuzzFeed. Yeah, we could. Hi, hey, BuzzFeed, add us. Seriously, add us. We could totally fucking write for you. Well, guys, the story is the same. Touring is a lot. It's even it harder when you start working on your follow-up album. It's probably even harder when you're fucking touring with your own brother. Right? You kind of grew up with this dude. You know him you're real good. Sick of him. I get sick of them. I don't know. For the darkness, I think it's important to add in that they were feeling a lot of pressure to match the success of their debut album. Yeah. Of course. Of course. And, I mean, come on, sophomore efforts are rarely as good as the first. Like, if your first album's really good, your sophomore's not going to be as good. It's just not. Yeah. And that's fine. I never expect your sophomore effort to be good, guys. I never expect season two to be good. I never expect the second installment of a book or a movie series to be good. Because usually people are under way too much pressure at yeah. that point. So Especially if it gets big. Yeah. And everybody kind of fucks it up. Yeah. And it's okay. That's when you should fuck it up. Because we're expecting you to. Right. So fuck it up. All of this seeped its way into the band's personal lives. Tensions were high and arguing was commonplace at this point. By this time, Justin and his girlfriend slash manager Sue had split up, and he was not handling it well. He said he got a Prince Albert piercing because he wanted to get the most painful piercing because he didn't like himself at the time. Yeah, also not a useful piercing. It's not. It doesn't do anything for you. It does not. It doesn't do anything for anybody. Just thinking about getting that, that sounds terrible. He apparently does not have it anymore. He took it out. Good. Because but it was a bad what, time in his life. Despite what they say, it doesn't do anything for the lady. Yeah. It really doesn't. Yeah. I don't know about, like, doing it for the dude. Maybe it rubs the prostate real good? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't have a prostate. Neither do I. So, so we're never going to know. And also, don't go near my butt. So Don't touch my butthole. Don't touch my butthole. Like Still the name of my autobiography, <laughs> Don't Touch My Butthole. <laughs> but this wasn't his only self-destructive behavior. He also picked up a pretty hefty cocaine habit. Sure did. I know I said no heroin, but I didn't say no drugs. Yeah. It's said that he spent 150,000 pounds on cocaine in a year. Holy fuck. Is that a lot? Yeah. That's probably like 200,000 American. It's probably more than that. I'm really bad at math in that. Because like, this is like 2004, 2005. And the pound oh, yeah, was yeah. way, but the pound was way better than the dollar at this point. Like w- almost, du- not quite double. It was way better because when I went to Ireland, the euro yeah. was way better, and the pound is even better than the euro. Yeah. The, who? <laughs> Turns out the Bush administration was not great for our economy. <laughs> who would have thought? Was, I thought it was fucking fantastic. I know it did so many great things, Maggie. How? I know. I'm so glad dare that we graduated you. during the Bush administration. That was great for us. <laughs> 
so happy about all these things. But yeah, it just really helped us out in our career paths. Also, he's not an adorable grandpa, so fucking stop. Yeah, guys. I know Trump's a monster, but like Bush <laughs> isn't great. But yeah, that doesn't make Bush okay in comparison. That's a straw man argument. It doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. Still, the boys went back to the studio to work on this next album where all the chips are on the table. So they brought in the big guns with producer Roy Thomas Baker whose name may sound familiar because of his work with the band Queen on their first five albums, which are fucking bangers. Yeah. However, even bringing in such a force couldn't stop the usual band drama from unfolding. In addition to Justin's blatant drug and alcohol problems, Frankie ended up leaving his spot as bassist early in the recording process. Mm -hmm. Initially, the claims were that it was an amicable split, but later, Frankie revealed to NME Magazine that he was pushed out by Justin and Sue. He wasn't quite sure why, or maybe he just wasn't saying why. Mm-hmm. Yet, he didn't talk poorly about the band. In fact, he was still very excited about the sophomore release, saying Hazel Eyes is his favorite track. Quote, I defy anyone, after a couple beverages, to listen to Hazel Eyes standing up and not get the Michael Fratleys. The Michael Flatleys. Flatleys. Michael Flatleys. River dance. Oh. Michael Flatley brings you river dance. And (laughs) kick your little legs up because that's how Irish people dance. We don't know how to use our arms. No arms. arms. No arms. Don't move those arms. You keep those fucking arms down. Fuck your arms. They don't exist anymore. Did that elbow move? Put it down. Fucking chop it off. This is river dance. Chop your arms on. Tying your hands together. Wow, Michael Flatley is like he's strict slave driver a little bit. Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta be <laughs> at to least have in those my sweet head. River he dance moves though, <laughs> those sweet sweet river dance moves. Frankie's spot was taken over by their guitar tech Richie Edwards. Though most Darkness's songs are group efforts, he isn't credited with any of the writing. Merely at this point, he just took over bass playing duties. He's like their session bassist. Kind of. At at this this point. Right now, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Despite costly delays and all the band issues, they did release One Way Ticket to Hell and Back in November 2005. (laughs) It's a really good song, at least. Yeah, I mean, like... The single's good. Yeah, there's a couple tracks on that album that that are pretty... It's worth worth a listen through. You'll grab a couple you really dig. Yeah. Right before its release, Justin won a copy of it on eBay for 350 pounds in order to track down whoever sold the digitally marked advanced copy Wait, to he, prevent it from happening again. He bought it or he put it on there? He bought it because oh. somebody put it. They found out somebody put out a digitally marked advanced copy on eBay and like that's a big no-no. Yeah. So, yeah, and you buy it, you get their information. So. Yeah, so he went on to buy it to figure out who did it. So they could be like, nah, never said who did it. Or at least in any of thing that you know I've what? looked up, they never said who did it. They might be ridiculous. They might wear spandex. But they have integrity. They do have integrity. <laughs> God damn it. He might be high on cocaine. He might but be he Dr. Roxo in it right now, but he has dignity. He really is kind of Dr. Roxo. He kind of is. Like, at this point, yeah, he's really Dr. Roxo. he does cocaine. It. And he wears spandex. Yeah, yeah. The album debuted at number 11, but unfortunately fell to number 34 the following week. It failed to reach the success of their debut, and at this point has only reached platinum status. And I say only because permission to land is five times platinum. Oh. Yeah. 
Not quite diamond. No. Critics were unimpressed with the hyper-masculine themes, the many references to cocaine, because like, hey, you're saying what you know about, right? Yeah, yeah. And dick jokes upon dick jokes, reigning throughout the songs. But it, I'm kind of like here for the jokes. dick jokes. I mean, at this point, guys, we're over halfway through this episode. You know we're here for the dick jokes. We've already made a lot of dick jokes. And we'll so. make more. A lot of ball jokes today, actually. Yeah. I'm like kind of a ball joke day. <laughs> they toured for a time. But sticking mostly to UK and Ireland and a few spots in Australia and Japan, because Australia and Japan fucking Oh, love I'm them. sure. So does Canada. Big fans. Oh. The hype seemed to have burned out for the darkness, a band that fell about as quickly as they shot up. By the second half of 2006, enough was enough for Justin. He decided to take control of his life again. He checked himself into rehab as he was growing more concerned about his physical and mental health. Throughout all the cocaine and alcohol. Hey, you know who didn't do that? Was it Kurt Cobain? It was Kurt Cobain. It was Kurt Cobain, While he was in rehab, (laughs) the best best news source ever, the British tabloids. Oh, boy. Because they're not terrible. No. They began to circulate rumors that the darkness was breaking up. Because he was in rehab, so clearly the band's going to break up. Yeah. Clearly. Well... It just so happened that after Justin got out of rehab, yeah, the darkness broke up. (laughs) So, for once, the British tabloids were kind of right. Yeah. Yeah. There can be a lot of things attributed to this. The stress of creating their last album that didn't do as well as they hoped. Mm -hmm. The inner band turmoil. The drugs and the overall rock and roll lifestyle. Years later, Justin would say he just felt the band stopped being creative. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's something to attribute there, too. Whatever the reason, the darkness was over. But that didn't mean anyone planned on leaving the music biz. The remaining members gathered together to create something new. Something called Stone Gods, which leaned more towards a mix of, like, hard rock and heavy metal. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say butt rock because it is more talented than butt rock, but it's kind of a generic heavy metal or heavy rock sound. Elevated butt rock? Talented butt rock? Listenable butt rock. Uh, Mm. There we go. That's That's the the rub. Richie moved up to lead vocals slash rhythm guitar, and they brought in Dan's friend Toby McFarlane to bass. They landed a spot supporting Thin Lizzy on a UK tour, which is definitely a healthy push to garner them some popularity. But who was fronting Thin Lizzy? I don't know at the time. I'm not 100% sure. I need to look into that. I know. I'm sorry I didn't do my Thin Lizzy research because I'm an asshole. But they did love Thin Lizzy, so the fact that they were with them was an honor and a delight. Yeah. By 2008, they were headlining their own UK tours, and they even released an EP. So they're they're doing they're doing it. Yeah. They're making it happen. I'm not gonna go too deep into the story of the Stone Gods because I just wasn't super interested. But basically what you need to know is they did receive much critical acclaim and many nominations for Best New Band when they came out, though they never really gained a lot of commercial success. Mm-hmm. The critics thought they were great. The public was like, meh, they're fine. Yeah. Also during this time, Ed had to step down as drummer due to health complications caused by osteonecrosis. What? That sounds like his bones are disappearing. Yeah, it's basically like a blood disease affecting his bones. Yikes. Yeah, yikes on bikes. Painful. 
They had a few replacements here and there and kept quite busy on the festival circuit. But it seems they were all too aware that perhaps the Stone Gods peaked as a mediocre late aughts hard rock band and probably weren't going to see a ton of success beyond that. But they kept trying, but they were kind of like, this might be it. They kind of, in my mind, seem like the UK equivalent of maybe like Velvet Revolver. Yeah, like they've had a couple hits but they were pretty generic despite the fact that everybody in the band was extremely dynamic and talented but when they were together it was just flatlining they were missing something yeah and can you name a velvet revolver song yeah exactly you know (laughs) velvet revolver yeah you remember that they had songs and it was scott wyland and the guns and roses slash guys duff Duff, I think Duff and Slash Duff and were in Slash it. were both in it. Duff and, and Slash. Duff and Slash. Oh my God, they should be superheroes. Called <laughs> Duff and Slash. Somebody make that comic. <laughs> Meanwhile, Justin kept busy with his own musical projects. Under the name British Whale, he released a cover of the Spark song, This Town Ain't Big Enough for the Both of Us. Sure. So that was fun. However, my favorite solo moment by Justin has to be when he joined up with British R&B and soul singer Beverly Brown for the song They Don't Make Them Like They Used To, which they submitted for the bid to represent the UK in the world-famous Eurovision, Eurovision contest! <laughs> I fucking love Eurovision. <laughs> and I have gotten made fun of so much for liking no. Eurovision. No, By okay. snotty little French kids. F- fuck. They don't fuck, understand fuck. that we don't have shit like we that don't. in America. We have absolutely nothing like okay, it. We have we... American Idol, but fuck that. That, no. It's it doesn't even compare. And, like, we don't even get Eurovision broadcasts on TV here. We don't get, like, we can barely get K-pop played on the radio here, for fuck's sake. Yeah, so, like, th- when we have the ability to see some aspect of Eurovision, it is a fucking event. Despacito was probably the most culturally diverse song that ever got big in America. And it was still Justin Bieber, wasn't it? He was in it. He was guested. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, think about that. Come you guys on. don't understand. Like, we don't get to experience other cultures yeah, here in we America. Don't. We really don't. Despite the fact that we are supposed to be the world's melting pot, everyone we are is a garden exactly salad at the best. same. <laughs> At best. Yeah. We are a plain... We're not even a chef salad. We are a side salad. At this point, yeah. Kinda. But despite being the favorite to win, they lost out to some British aqua ripoff named Scooch. Scooch? Scooch. Okay, so Schlomp and Scooch. Schlomp and Scooch. Schlomp and Scooch. Which sounds super Ikea. But also super British. Like a weird Wallace and Gromit kind of thing. Oh. Also adorable. That sounds like it should be like a penguin and a walrus. Swamp and scooch. Swamp and scooch. Oh, it's adorable. Well, they only managed to reach 22 out of 24 in the competition. So, uh, maybe you fucked up, UK voting public. Yeah. Looking at you. You did. You did. You fucked up. But Justin easily dusted himself off from the experience and went on to start a new band called Hot Leg. Hot leg. Just one of just the legs the is hot. Not both of them, just one just of them. Just one. They released an album called Red Light Fever, which failed to make any real dent in the charts, just peaking at number 87. 
Yeah. 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 Considering the lack of interest in his newer works, it was time to sit back and really consider where to go from here. Yeah. Yeah. Not really not really doing what he wants to be doing. Not doing a whole lot on the charts, so. He's not really hitting them charts hard, so. Yeah, not climbing the charts. Gotta go back, plan out your charts better. With both divided factions feeling pretty unsatisfied with what they've ended up with, it was time to reflect on the good old days, Aww. when music was just fun and lighthearted and they were creating with like-minded friends. And goofy and just, just, a, just a good time. Joking around, just boys having a good time. Just boys having a good time. Sexy boys having a good time. Mm. Dan and Justin began to hang out again, now the latter totally sober and time healing many wounds. They would spend time playing computer games, which slowly evolved into writing music together. They quickly saw what they were missing this whole time. It was soon after that that they got the band back together. Band's getting back together. Band's getting back together, guys. And it was the OG lineup. Justin, Dan, Frankie, and Ed, who was successfully treated for his osteonecrosis. Oh, that's nice. Once again, they formed the darkness. They spent 2011 touring extensively around the UK in celebration and promotion. And these big-time Queen fans were in for a real treat when they were joined by Brian May at some of their performances. I was going to say, please tell me it's Adam Lambert. Woof. These big-time Queen fans were in for a lot of disappointment when they were joined by Adam Lambert. Who thinks he's Queen. He's not Queen. They're not Queen. And also, like... Brian Rogers, stop telling him he's queen. Yeah, he's not queen. Stop, stop it. telling him he's queen. Stop it. And it actually just so happened that Brian is a big fan of the darkness, actually from their early days. They've I've seen an interview with Brian May saying, oh, they're, qu- they're absolutely talented and quite lovely, and uh, I just really enjoy them. Because Brian May knows what the fuck is up. Brian May knows what the fuck is up. He does, though. He guessed it on uh, the What's Up hotline. <laughs> He did. <laughs> Henry Rollins' What's Up Hotline one night. It was really, it was such a good episode. Yeah. And that's not the only stadium-filling musician who wanted a piece of this reunion of the dock. In 2012, they supported Lady Gaga on the European leg of her Born This Way tour. Many were in disbelief why this would even happen. Why not? And here's the thing. I've been to a Gaga concert. She is well known for having high-energy rock bands open for yeah, her. this... 100% makes the most sense out of everything you she have ever wants said so far. A band that's going to perform. Right. Not a band that's just going to stand there and play. Right. She wants a performance because that girl puts on a performance. Right. She does not put on a concert. This makes absolute perfect sense. Perfect sense. Yeah. If you've ever been to a Gaga concert, this checks 100%. This gig couldn't happen at a better time as they just released Hot Cakes, their comeback album. <laughs> Hot Cakes. Hot Cakes. They decided to go back to their roots a bit and get more of a feel of their first record. One Way Ticket received criticism for sounding too polished, so they wanted a raw sound to come through here. The majority of the album was recorded at Dan's Farm in Norfolk. Now that they've had their hiatus, they were no longer under the Atlantic label, and quite frankly, they were fine with that. Yeah. They created their own label, Canary Dwarf. <laughs> sure. Canary Dwarf. Canary Dwarf. Yeah, that's logical. It makes so much, so much sense. So much sense. Merely they wanted to be able to license out the music to other indie labels. They would end up working with Play It Again Sam and Wind Up Records for this release. Hmm. Hot Cakes came out to positive reviews, 
with many happy to see the return of this great band. It reached number one in the UK rock chart, wow. rock chart, and number two in the US rock chart. <laughs> rock charts, rock charts. But nothing can last forever, especially in the darkness. In 2014, Ed left the band for what seemed to be ongoing issues with his health. That's unfortunate. Because, you know, osteonecrosis is a hell of a pain. When you got the bone death, I mean... Yeah, it's not You great. can't come back from that. I hope you can. No one comes back from the bone death. Yeah. It seemed rather amicable. The rest of the boys wished him luck with all future projects. Since leaving, he has kept himself busy, joining up with other bands here and there. But one can only assume that being in a full-time band does take a toll on his body, so he's just kind of... Keeping busy on yeah. the side. I can imagine you can't drum very well with bone death. Nope. <laughs> it really no. hinders that a little bit. Really. The only thing you could do probably somewhat comfortably is maybe keyboards. Yeah. Maybe. He was thusly replaced with Emily Dolan Davies. Yep. They had a female drummer for a hot minute. Oh, I didn't know that. They did. She played on their fourth studio album, Last of Our Kind. And while their creative relationship worked just fine, touring was a little different. Huh. Emily is a session drummer and she has many commitments. It made it really hard to tour with the darkness. Oh. Justin even admitted they can be a pretty demanding band. They do a lot of tours. Yeah. So by 2015, Emily left to pursue her other works, leaving the guys with just one choice for her replacement. They had a friend who worked as Brian May's guitar tech, because obviously at this point, they're friends with Queen. God, what a life. <laughs> and right after Emily joined the band, the guitar tech told them about a drummer he knew who he thought would be perfect. It oh. was information that would have been more useful to them yesterday. Yep. But still, they kept it in their back pocket for a later time, just mm -hmm. in case. And that's how they ended up hiring Rufus Tiger Taylor, son of Roger Taylor, drummer of Queen. Yep. And this fucking guy... Looks just like Roger. He really does. It's crazy. And they're both drummers. Yep. Fucking Just followed shit. right in his dad, dad's footsteps. They were just like, yeah, this, this makes sense. Apple doesn't fall far from the charts. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> At the time, Rufus was touring with Queen, playing drums alongside his dad. And I guess, like, during some of the sets, they would have, like, drum offs and stuff. It was really cute. Oh, that's cute. Right? That's fun. That's fun for them. It's better than watching Adam Lambert. It really is, though. It was only a matter of time before Rufus might want to join his own group, though. So this was the perfect scenario for all parties involved. Rufus joined the Darkness to help promote their latest release, which was another overall well-received piece of work. Last of Our Kind was again recorded at Dan's home in Norfolk, and this time it was produced by him as well. With this album, they were looking to hit more of a medieval rock sound. Okay. Which it comes across in a few of their tunes. Okay. Not all of them, but a few of them. Uh, Barbarian, definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, easily. It's a fun <laughs> music video, too. You should look it up. They also released another Christmas song called I Am Santa, but it doesn't really hold a candle to their yeah, no. original Christmas attempt. Yeah. When going back into the studio in 2016, they brought along producer... Adrian Bushby, who had previously worked with Smashing Pumpkins, Muse, Foo Fighters, and a butt-ton of others, with great success. That's a, an impressive list. Right? The resulting album is called Pinewood Smile, 
And like previous releases, it did great in the UK. But the US basically acted like they don't exist. There was a large expanse of time between One Way Ticket to Hell and back and when we heard from them again, like recently. Like a year ago. And maybe we didn't really even hear from them. It just so happened that I looked them up at the right place at the right time. Yeah, I think so. I think by we we mean us. Y- you, you and, and me. me. Yeah. Yeah. Don't think these guys take it easy either. Just last year they released Easter is Cancelled, which we discovered by looking up. <laughs> kind of by accident. And I was like, oh, they just released an album. But okay. it's real good. Oh, but they released like five other albums oh, in the last still, ten years. Oh, they're okay. still doing it. But we would never know in the in the no. States. It's received generally good reviews. It doesn't seem to have climbed very high on the charts, but it's still really good. It is. A subsequent tour has been happening, and they're coming to the U.S., and we should try to catch them. Yeah, I really want to. Yeah, we should try to make this happen. The last time they came around, nobody wanted to go with me, so... Well, I will go with you. Yeah, I didn't know you back then. That's fair. You know, you can also say the things like Spotify and Pandora, it's harder now, and even YouTube, to really gauge how well a song does or how well a band or an album does. Or how popular they are in a particular country. Yeah. whereas... We would go and actively seek them out and listen to their music a lot. I ha- I don't pay attention to the charts anymore. No. So I have no idea how well they're doing generally in the United States. So here I am thinking, oh, the darkness is doing great. They have a new album. It's really good. Everybody loves it. In the meantime, nobody else across the United States no. gives a fucking shit. Exactly. And I'm like, well, why aren't they touring the U.S. and like doing all these big venues and stuff like that because nobody else really knows i know it's not on top 40 radio burf well they've spent a lot of time supporting bands like guns and roses and hollywood vampires which I oh, guess that's Johnny Depp's works. band, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. The old gay wind chime has a band. Yeah, he Great. does. But it's funny because I feel like these crowds wouldn't really appreciate the fun that comes with the with the darkness. So I think it's an interesting choice. But, I mean, they seem to be doing well and they get along well with the bands they tour with. So, okay, yeah. that yeah. works. This all brings me to the heart of the matter. Why is it that a band that works this fucking hard and is consistently good, not more popular? Well, there's a variety of reasons. Yes. Firstly, there's a little problem they have with making friends in the biz. Not so much today, but when they first came out. Justin in particular did not like the naysayers who all of a sudden jumped on the bandwagon. Which I can kind of feel this feel. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to be friends with somebody who denied me all these times, and then all of a sudden I get popular, and they're like, oh, hey. And you're like, no. I and would feel the, exactly the same way, Exactly though. how Justin acted. When the Glastonbury Festival founder, Michael Evis, tried to get the darkness on the bill after dismissing them a bunch previously, Justin said he was a cunt, or a cock, depending on who you ask. <laughs> Either way, it's pretty good. Right? <laughs> He also put Chris Martin of Coldplay in his place, saying he phoned in his performance for Band-Aid 20, just doing it to raise his image. He also got into a bickering match with Bono over a line that they were fighting over, too. <laughs> but one fucking Bono line. Do do the, uh... God, what's the one from Do You Know It's Christmas where Bono's like... Or at least it's them instead of you. Oh, I don't know. At least it's them instead of you! Or something like that. 
And like Justin wanted to sing it, but Bono wanted to keep it. So there's a big fight over that. <laughs> he also has a tendency to piss off the strokes, NME, and even went after Frankie at one point. I don't give a fucking shit about what the strokes feel like. The strokes are mad. <laughs> so mad. <laughs> Fuck the strokes. Who cares? The strokes care. I don't care if the strokes care. <laughs> But it, stroke my dick. I don't care. <laughs> Isn't that what their band name's about? I, I assume. Know. I don't know. It's clear all of these moments of shade probably happened when he was really messed up on coke and booze, but the damage was done. It's really hard to repair your image after you've burnt that many bridges. Yeah. Yeah. Even if we don't care about them, they care about themselves too much. And of course, many think they're a joke. But nothing could be farther from the truth. Their music and visuals come from a place of love and admiration for the craft. And they're not here to take themselves overly seriously like other musicians do. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is that they don't mind taking the piss of themselves. They have fun. That's they're going to be goofy. Charm. That's part of their charm. But a lot of people are like, but like, you don't take yourself seriously. And they're like, we do because we know how to play our own fucking instruments and we know how to make good music yeah but we can you know take the piss and have fun and like we don't have to write the world's most serious lyrics and move the masses they've said many times there is a humor in rock and roll so considering how few bands seem to be enjoying themselves because let's think about it how many bands really seem to be having that much fun playing rock and roll Uh perhaps there's just a lack of real rock in this day and age could be it would just be nice in this sea of bloated old rock stars who would rather forget lyrics than take a break or bland butt rock bros taking the stage if we could celebrate more bands like the darkness who are truly talented musicians here to have a good time and bringing us all along for the ride that would be phenomenal yeah I'm here for that. Right? Like, I want to ride that roller coaster. I am I am here for it. I want it. I want more darkness. Give it to me. <laughs> I want more fun. I am so... I, I realize I haven't been listening to rock lately because it's not fun anymore. Yeah. It's exactly why I don't listen to it. It's just all so, like, very serious, same chords and, like, yeah. growling voice. Less testicle listicles. Mm. Less charts. Mm. More schlomp. And falsetto. And falsetto. And spandex. Yes. All right, guys. Get get on it. And ladies. Everyone get on it. If you feel like maybe there's more to this band than what we covered, you're probably right. Again, this was a hard band to research. Yeah, because wasn't there... Didn't Dan have a pretty serious bout of anorexia? I didn't want to tell too much that I didn't have the, solid yeah. info on. You know what I mean? Like, I've heard about that, but I'm not sure what the... I'm not sure what the whole story is behind that. Yeah. Because, again, it's just so hard to research. Yeah. I remember reading an article shortly after Permission to Land. Actually, no, it was probably a couple of years after Permission to Land came out that Dan was talking about how he um, got anorexia, anorexia because of a lot of the pressures yeah. that he was dealing with, with their huge fame after, um, I believe, in a thing called Love blew up and yeah, yeah. he felt like you know he this was his way of having control over something a career that was kind of going out of control especially with justin and his drug and alcohol issues mm-hmm. and all that stuff so yeah yeah it's there's definitely way more to the story it's 
a little hard to research. It is. It's it's a dig. It's and maybe I miss I I easily miss things. I know I did. Uh, so if you know more of the story or if you know where to find those articles, you can please send them to us. We'll post them on our social media yeah. for sure. And something else to keep an eye out for is a documentary that is years in the making. I'm very excited about this and I want it to happen really bad. I know. <laughs> and I wanted to wait for it, but I don't know when it's actually going to yeah. come out. A group of independent filmmakers began following them around as they toured and recorded since 2015. They have tons of footage from the recording space they created in Ireland to personal interviews with each band member. Justin discusses trying to be a dancer, dancer but injuring himself. Aww. Frankie talks about how he's the weird uncle of the group. Aww. <laughs> so it seems to have been pushed back a year or two. It's slated for release this year. I don't know if it'll come out. It might. You could even just Google, like, the Darkness documentary. It's on Indiegogo. You can read about it. They have a couple clips up. Yeah. And they the donation pretty... thing is closed. Yeah. So... They seem pretty hell-bent on it coming out this year. So definitely keep your eyes peeled. That's going to get paint a really good picture. That I'm very I don't excited about it. know if I could convey as well. They're funny because they are definitely a band that goofs around. And has a lot of fun, but you can also tell is incredibly sincere in everything they do. Yeah. And that's what makes me really enjoy them, too. Their music is phenomenal, and they are just decent human beings who are having the time of their lives. And they want you to have the time of your life. Yeah. I think that is uh, the big thing about them that endures is their level of sincerity. Yeah. With their music. Yeah, they're fucking goofy as fuck. But you can tell that they're being serious about what they're putting out there as far as music goes. Their music's amazing. Yeah. Their music is really good. Watch them play. They are legit playing complicated stuff. Yeah. So I don't know why you can't take that seriously, but here we are. (laughs) You can be funny and make good music at the same time. Yeah. And maybe we should all learn to lighten up a little bit. Yeah. We're all world tense right now. Darkness does it. Devin Townsend does it. All these people have very great Andrew senses WK. of... Andrew W.K. does it. They have great senses of humor, and they make really good fucking music, so... Right? Like, have a little fun with yourself. Yeah. Let's all sit back, have a good time, enjoy yourselves. I hope- agree. Yes. We hope you enjoyed yourself while listening to us talk about an enjoyable <laughs> band. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate you and love you. And if you want to show us more love and appreciation... You can go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five star review. That'd yeah, be cool. we're due for another one. So we're due for another one. Come on. Yes, mm-hmm. we'll be very excited. <laughs> you can also visit our website www.rockcandypodcast.com. Comments on the episodes. Send us an email or grab any one of our social media links because we got Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you want to answer any of the twenty million questions we brought up this episode. <laughs> Or if you're one of the handful of professionals that we have called upon. Right? I mean, we're here for you to respond back to us. Or if you want us to go to your karaoke party, we could do that too. (laughs) We'll even host your karaoke party. And we will. It'll be delightful. You will love it. It'll be wonderful. No lie. But if you don't want to have any karaoke parties, you can also just go to our network, Pantheon Podcasts. And go listen to a bunch of other amazing music podcasts. Then you can have a podcast party. You can have a podcast party with the Pantheon Podcast Network because it's fantastic and they've got a whole bunch to offer. Yes, they do. Faux show. 
And also, you can always go to our Patreon and give us some of your money. Money, please. <laughs> you can go to patreon.com slash Podcast and make it rain. Trickle, trickle, trickle. And you can get some bonus shit. Yeah. Because there's going to be a bonus episode out this week. Anytime now. It might be out right now. It might already be out. Who knows? We're going to talk about a lot. There's a lot to cover. There's a lot to cover. So. Little teasers. Going to talk about some Grammys. So if you want. Going to talk about some deaths. Going to talk about Mm -hmm. some Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So if you want our hot takes on those things. A lot of. And a lot of other stuff, too. A lot of other stuff. That's like a that's like the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. A lot of things happen this month. Yeah. So if you want to hear our hot takes on that shit, give us some of your fucking money and then you can have it. <laughs> it's all yours, my friend. <laughs> all yours. All yours. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening. And next month or next episode will kick off. Black History Month. Yup. Yes. So get ready for that. We're going to start that off with a banger. Oh, it's going to be, oh yeah, it's, it's going to be, be good. It's, I think it'll be another, like, mostly uplifting episode. And the one after that will be, too, so. Yeah, we got some good it, shit coming. Hitting it hard with some happy shit yeah, in we February. Need it. I think we just need it, guys. <laughs> yeah. For sure. But tune back next week for that. Indeed. And until then, party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. And party on, are you crazy kids out there? Bye. Get your hands off of my woman, motherfucker. You can't. <laughs> He's Lucas Hare. He's Carrie Shale. And this is a trailer for Is It Rolling Bob? Talking Dylan. We talk to interesting people like author Neil Gaiman. Dylan is always more omnipresent than you believe. Part three of American Gods is called This Moment of the Storm. And of course, it's a hard rain's gonna fall is, is another way of saying that. Singer Billy Bragg. I went to this Hammersmith Odeon with Chrissy Hind and she totally spoiled the whole evening for me by going backstage beforehand and coming and saying to me, you must come back and say hello to Bob afterwards. He'd love to meet you. So I spent the entire gig thinking to myself, what am I going to say to Bob Dylan that, is, that doesn't sound like, hello, Bob, I really like your records. So I ran away. <laughs> Actor David Morrissey. Their stories, they are all, you know, you sit there and you think, God, this is taking me on a journey, not just by uh, each track, but each album is mm. such a chapter in a life. Singer Barb Younger. And suddenly something in the song, you go, bing, you go, oh, yeah, that's today. That's the reality of the quality of his understanding of humanity. That kind of, that really relentless gaze. The legendary Larry Ratso Sloman. And that's when I talked to him about Sad Eyed Lady. And I said, you know, Bob, I always wondered, you know, in the chorus, you say, my warehouse eyes, my Arabian drums. Do you mean eyes as a verb? Or is there a comma there's in two different images? And Sarah goes, yeah, I've always wondered that too. And Bob, and Bob says, leave me alone, rest. Writer David Hepworth. Honestly, the sweat was dripping off me because I was not getting very far. And you always think, I've got to get some quotes. I've got to get some lines or something. And you, of course, you can't get that out of Bob Dylan. It doesn't work like that. Mm. And the woman from the record company said to him, how's it going, Bob? And he says, I don't know. He keeps asking me questions. <laughs> and Dylan Authority, Michael Gray. What he's doing there, Dylan, is he's, he's breaking through the sort of oleaginous smear of coast-to-coast important American television. And he's creating, he's busting through that and creating a live event, an authentic moment. 
Is it rolling, Bob? Talking Dylan. His voice is really warm. It's just that it ain't got no form. But it's just like a dead man's last pistol shot, baby. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.